if something is working, right, because you know, because you have the data, I don't think it's a good idea to pull back right now. Like, I, I, I don't. In fact, I think if you're paying for ads, things are probably going to get cheaper. There's going to be less competition. Um, your competitors are, are probably just looking at the line item in the budget and they're trying to save that money and maybe saving in the wrong places. So I, I think this is the time to double down on things that are working. If you need to cut spend, right? If you need to cut your expenses, then sure, you, you, you have to look across everything. But this isn't where I start. With everything happening during the COVID-19 pandemic and the economic recession, it's easy to panic, cut costs, and coast until all of this blows over. But that can kill your business. Instead, we need to adapt. And in today's episode, Brad Morrison tells us what his agency is doing to work through what will seemingly be a tough economy, at least for the next few months. We talk about our experiences with the last recession, what's different, and what you can do to adapt. There are a lot of great takeaways here, and it's not just spend less money. It might, spoiler alert, might be the opposite of that. So sit back, relax, and let's get into that interview right now. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that today? My guest is Brad Morrison. He is the Chief Happiness Officer at GoWP. I am very excited to welcome him onto the show. Brad, how are you? I am doing well, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Brad and I have known each other for a couple of years now. I forget if we met at Cabo Press or we met before that and we just became more friendly throughout. Uh, we I, met at some WordCamp. WordCamp US, I think. I think it was WordCamp US a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes, that is exactly right. You, if I recall correctly, because I always remember when someone compliments me, um, I think you had very kind words to say about my work. And Absolutely. And I'm bringing that up because I never know how to handle that. I'm just like, thanks. And then like, I don't know, it's, I get very awkward and that's the only time I ever get awkward. Yeah, um, I know. I, I've always been impressed with what you do. You put so much good stuff out there for the WordPress community. And so it was, yeah, that was one of those moments. You know how you have these moments where you you meet someone that you already know about, you already know of them and other people know of them. So that was kind of a, a cool thing. And it's only been better that we've gotten to know each other better over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you guys are doing the same thing over at GoWP, like the, the virtual happiness hour uh, that you're having right now is super cool. Um, I wish I could attend more of them, but my wife usually works on Fridays. Um, and yeah. so that's like right at the end of nap time for me. Um, <laughs> but you, you made it through it the other day. And I tell you, like I've, I've been working on my lighting for those that don't know. Um, we had Joe and Sean Hesketh and uh, Chris Lemma on. They were talking about your, your kind of setup for audio uh, visual. And um, that was really cool because I've realized all the things that I'm doing very poorly. Um, so um, I've tried to make up for some of that. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. And lighting is one that is often forgotten about by a lot of people. You know, they know that they, if they know if they know something, they'll know they need the microphone. Maybe they want to upgrade their camera. But light, lighting is something that because it takes a lot of setup and like I've got a box light off camera here. That just takes up a lot of space that I'm happy to have it. But um, getting that three-point lighting is is a challenge. Um, yeah. That yeah. was one of my biggest takeaways was when, because my camera, I'm just using a regular webcam like the um, Logitech 
um, C920. Mm-hmm. And it, it's always been a bit grainy, but it was cool to hear all of you say, don't go out and spend a lot of money on a camera right now. Work on the lighting first. And that has made, it's not perfect, but it's made a lot of difference. And again, I, I've, it's funny how everything's out sold out right now, right? So like the yeah. Elgato key light, I tried to get that. That was a recommendation. Right now, I just have a lamp on my desk. But the lighting, just having more light actually helps. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, uh, you know, for those of you listening who are not, who can't quite visualize what we're talking about here, take a picture with your phone in low light versus like bright light. And it's going to be a lot better because the camera doesn't have to work that much harder or harder at all to capture the element that you're trying to take a picture of. And so uh, that's why lighting is maybe even more important than going out and buying like a DSLR to be your webcam because now your C920, which is a very popular HD webcam, doesn't have to work as hard to get a clear picture of you so it's less grainy. And I can tell that on this call, actually, uh, that you you do look less grainy from from the... the Last calls, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, awesome, that's good. Yeah. Good, good to know there, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we <laughs> fell into a little bit of a trap here in that we started talking about gear, and I love gear, but that's not really what we're talking about today, though we can definitely talk more about that. We're talking about how GoWP is working through the pandemic, the economic effects of the pandemic and the the likely recession um, that we will officially be in once the numbers come in Um, and what other small businesses can do as well. So Brad, why don't we start out with um, a little bit about who you are and the history of GoWP because um, the the earliest iteration of GoWP lived through the last recession. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, we um, in 2004, um, I kind of started out on my own, really as a freelancer, a contractor. Um, and at that time, I was really doing uh, a lot of different things. I would do networking. I would lay cable <laughs> and do <laughs> I, regular, like IT work. I mean, yeah. right? Anything, anything that I could uh, bill for, right? And yeah. uh, so uh, just the hourly model. And I would do um, hardware, set up computers and servers for b- local businesses. But then I would also create their website. And about a year of doing that, of straddling both, I kind of had to make a choice on which do I want to um, pursue as a as a business and focus on. And so that, I guess that's the first time I kind of niched down and said, okay, we're going to do all things web. And um, at, at that time, WordPress was a great blogging platform. <laughs> it was only yeah. a couple of years old, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we didn't really build sites with WordPress at that time. We were building sites uh, at first in Mambo, <laughs> which became nice. Joomla. And, yep. uh, and then so if we spent about four to five years of building Joomla websites and then some other open source systems we would use, um, I think OpenCart, we would use as a real estate platform that we used, uh, Moodle for online courses. So we really did a lot of just helping businesses, schools, nonprofits kind of wrangle nonprofit, I mean, uh, uh, open source software and and pull that together for so that they could kind of thrive with it. It, it WordPress started getting a lot better better, uh, 2008, 2009. And uh, specifically like someone like me, who's not a developer, just going in and creating menus, right? Like that was not easy before WordPress 2.8 maybe. And so then jumping into that to be able to, uh, quickly create a website that could really be a full fledged CMS. Um, it's kind of when we kind of changed to, to WordPress, but it was an interesting, um, time because 
back during the first recession, and that's kind of with what we're talking about here and, and how that even how that relates to what we're dealing with now, I felt that it was almost a once in a generation type thing. I'll say that not not the badness of the recession, right? Um, the fact that businesses, a lot of local small, medium sized businesses had really held out and not gone, really embraced the web in the way that they do now. And so what the recession did was say, why am I spending $20,000 a month on billboards when there's such a big audience online? And so it was a more, it was a way for them to save money, but have their dollar go a lot further and reach more eyeballs with online. And so we thrived during, as a full service agency, we thrived during the first recession. And um, I was in different business groups at the time, and it was a little bit disconcerting. You'd, you'd be around, a, you know, sitting with a table of home builders and retail and jewelry store, and, and they were struggling. They're like, you know, our business is cut in half. Our bit, we don't know if we're going to keep the doors open. We don't have any construction projects. We don't. And it's like, yeah, we're we're kind of growing a lot right now. Things are are pretty good, but that's it. It was just being fortunate with the timing. I think that you know, it's so funny. Not funny. It's interesting that you say that because I distinctly remember I was just I was in grad school and I I had been freelancing since high school. I I'd been using WordPress uh, basically on all my client sites since two thousand six when they rolled out Pages, um, and. I was pretty glib and I was saying things like, what recession? Like I'm, yeah. I have so much work to do right now because you're right. We picked the right field to be in at that time. Um, a lot of businesses were like, oh man, I need to, I need to move online. Just like what we're seeing now. A lot of businesses are like, uh, we need an e-commerce website like right now. Um, yes. And it's easier than ever to to build an e-commerce website. So it's really interesting you mentioned that because I wasn't sure really if that was just like a personal experience or like it was just because I was in grad school. And so like my overhead wasn't nearly as big as another person's uh, overhead in the same field. So, um, but we we definitely have a very similar experience that way. Yeah. And I think it might be different if you're like a an agency that deals with big national and international accounts. Mm-hmm. That might be different. If you're getting $100,000, $500,000 from a client annually or more than that, even millions of dollars, maybe, maybe they felt that. But I do think most people that work on just normal you know, whatever five to twenty thousand dollar websites um, that that manage PPC campaigns, that handle SEO, that do a lot of the just digital marketing basics. I my experience in our mid-sized city. I was in Savannah, Georgia at the time. I mm-hmm. live right outside of Atlanta now, which is larger. Um, but my experience in the mid-sized city is that most freelancers and small agencies were doing really well. It was uh, like I said. I think a uh, just a, a massive change in the way that small businesses were spending their money. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was, so that was, that was cool. So we actually built, it went from the business went from being me to in, you know, two, three years having multiple staff members and, um, having a nice office downtown and, and just, just growing. We were really growing as an agency. Um, so we had about 10 full-time and part-time staff that would come in to the office and, and, um, and work with clients and, you know, project managers, designers, web developers. Um, so that was cool. So we really, 
like I said, that that kickstarted or jumpstarted our business in a lot of ways um, and allowed me to go from a, a freelancer to um, owning a, a full service agency. Um, in 2014, it was really a year before that, we were starting to feel a little bit, okay, I mean, we, we had, Joe, we had at one time, I remember 90 different projects, some of them tiny, right? But yeah, some of them wow. larger, 90 different projects at some stage of trying to be completed. So maybe wow. from signing a contract to we're waiting on content for the client. We're waiting on content for the client <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to uh, we're in this weird black hole stage, this, this uh, punch list stage where a site is finished, but it's not finished, right? We're, we're still yeah. hearing like, okay, well, this isn't quite right. Can you change that? Can you do? And I think because of that, with a smaller staff, we just became exhausted. Like it was, it was really sometimes I, growth is good, but it, you it manage growth and controlled growth is a lot better. And, um, and so I think we all kind of got to a point where it's like, how can we simplify this and, and make things run more predictably, um, predictable cash flow? That's obviously important. So you're not going out and chasing projects. Um, but also how can, the workload be more predictable and sustainable. And so that's when we started envisioning what are we best at? Let's, let's build a service around um, maintenance and, and support at the time Um, and hosting. We also provided some hosting just locally, not certainly not on a a large scale level, Mm -hmm. but um, with our local clients, we had hosting. So we had a few recurring kind of um, products, um, productized services, I should say. And we kind of reimagined the business around that and we cut out things and we rebranded as GoWP. But that's that's kind of how we became GoWP and and we haven't looked back since. So that was 2014 and uh, things are going well. And then all of a sudden you have another uh, uh, kind of a global crisis or, or the with the pandemic. And that has definitely um, changed the way we approach our business now. Um, but it's um, it's it's a it's a new time in a lot of ways. I think some of the benefits of having a lot of people not spending money back back in the first recession, a lot of people over the last 12 years, they've kind of made that change. And mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of new money coming in from traditional advertising. So I think the way we approach it needs to be a little bit different. This episode is sponsored by Circle CI. Whether you're on a development team, manage a development team yourself, or you have a business that relies on working software, a good process is so important to making sure you're creating high quality work. Continuous integration or the ability to check and manage code automatically can help you and your developers streamline the process in a big way. And CircleCI is here to help. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit howibuilt.it slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their continuous integration and delivery pipelines. As someone who's worked on big coding projects for big companies with distributed development teams, 
I can tell you that continuous integration tools have helped us make sure we deliver working code to our clients. It helps instill trust in our team, and it lets our team focus on solving new problems instead of dealing with the same ones over and over again. So once again, learn how CircleCI can help you end your business at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI. As a special bonus for How I Built It listeners, CircleCI is having a virtual raffle where you can win a pair of the newest Sony noise-canceling headphones. Improve your team's processes and enter for a chance to win at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI. That's C-I-R-C-L-E-C-I. And now, back to the show. What you said about kind of more predictable cash flow and workflow, that has been like one of the mainstays of the of this season and what we've talked about over the course of the podcast. We've had Brian Castle on talking about productized services and Jason Resnick. Um, and I think that's really important because uh, when you get to a, a time like this, a lot of people who didn't have a business in in through the last recession or maybe like w- weren't even working in the last recession, the last recession was like 12 years ago, which is above average for times between recessions. So things have been really good for a lot of people for the last 12 years. Um so maybe we don't necessarily have that mindset and that preparedness. Um, people tend to think the good times are going to last forever. Uh, yes. But having a pre- like, so let me just, I'm dancing around the question. Uh, how has that predictable cash flow and workflow, those productized services, um, how have they helped you in the first few months of um, the recession? And just to to timestamp this, right? Because it's a a very contemporary episode if someone's listening to this like two years from now. This is, we're recording this at the end of May, 2020. Um, a lot of the United States is still under stay-at-home orders from co- the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, we are two months and change into when most of the stay-at-home orders have started for the United States. Things are just starting to open up in certain areas of the country, but um, businesses have been greatly affected, especially those in-person businesses that require people being wherever they are. Uh, so um, how has your predictability kind of helped mitigate this uh, current recession? Yeah, uh, great question. And, um, you know, again, we had, you know, five years of really every month being a little bit better, not always a ton better, but a little bit better than the month before. Right. Because times, like you said, times were good. And um, and you don't question that. You just say, hey, this is really working. Let's keep doing what yeah. we're doing. And, uh, and then and then the pandemic happens and you use that. You really have to make sure that you analyze things um, that that it's not the same. You know, maybe maybe you normally have a little bit of dip going into the summer. Now you have the pandemic on top of that where people are pulling back on expenses. And so it's like, all right, that's a new challenge that compounds the the normal um, issue. So for us, I, I will I will say this, like at cash flow, like that that's number one always. Like we're always looking at that. You you want a, a business. Uh, that is solvent. <laughs> you you yeah. want to make sure that you can keep paying your employees, that you can keep um, uh, serving your customers, and that you you have a solvent business. You need to stay in business, right? 
I will say in normal times, most of the time, that is our, our number one. That's the priority that we have. I did change that a little bit when in the first few weeks of this. Uh, and it, I, it was about the people. I, I was really concerned about my staff um, and especially, uh, and I should say staff and customers, um, but staff first, because we have to be able, like I, this is a health issue. This is a this is something where just to make sure people are physically safe, they're mentally safe, and that we prioritize that above everything else. Um, and so we did that. I, I changed the way that we um, that we have our daily meetings so that we first kind of just talk about how's everyone doing and and open the door so that. If someone needed to have a more in-depth conversation about something, then I'm available for that. But it was really let's let I want as as the as the the chief happiness officer of GoWP, um, as the CEO, I, I wanted to make sure that my staff understood that I cared first and foremost about their health. So that was one, and that's different. That's not something um, from a health standpoint you right. necessarily have to think about. Our people are always important, but having that type of conversation and leading with that is a little bit different. Um, so that was one. Number two, our customers. Um, how is your business doing? Like, forget about cash flow impact on GoWP right now. Let's just make sure that we are the we are helping our customers and the resource that our customers need right now during this time. And what that meant for us was let's put some things together that they can share with your their clients to let them know of everything that they have to worry about right now. They're in clients. The things that we're taking care of for that agency, they don't have to worry about that. And so just getting that together was was kind of the first thing we did during this. The second thing then goes to um, it's what I call like sometimes you, you got to plug the holes. If there's a cash flow mm-hmm. leak, if there's a problem, you got to make sure that things are, are stable. And so that's what we did. We did lose some customers in the first uh, couple of weeks of this. It was um, we had there was a lot of anxiety. And remember, our customers, we are a purely white label um, business. So we don't necessarily have direct customers that come to us and sign up direct businesses. The businesses and the sites that we maintain, the the pages that we build, um, everything we do, um, it comes through our agency client. And so for us, it's about giving them the resources so that they can share and say, uh, we've got things taken care of. And so, uh, but they can't, they can't predict what cancellations they're going to get. So right. we didn't really lose customers, but we lost subscriptions from existing customers. So again, gotcha. That right. makes it that makes it a little bit challenging, but it's how can we support our agencies? Um, so if as long as we're doing that, that that helps. And so what we've seen after the first couple of weeks, we saw that it, it stabilized. Uh, the cancellations were less and less. Um, the ones that were hit hard had to go. Like there were a number of of um, you know vacation rental. Um, mm-hmm. a, agent, an agency that just serves vacation rental properties. And, uh, oh, and so that's, that's a tough niche to be in <laughs> during, yeah. during this. And so they had a lot of cancellations and um, we saw it with some restaurants. We saw it with 
um, the the businesses that you would think would would um, be impacted by this hard. Uh, we saw cancellations across those, but then things started started to stabilize, uh, and we've seen existing customers actually lean on us more, um, mm-hmm. which has been really cool. Um, so they've added subscriptions. Our initial like our our, our the leads did drop off. You know, new new prospect leads they dropped off pretty heavy at the beginning. We're starting to see that come back a bit, which is good. Mm-hmm. But from a cash flow standpoint, I'm thinking about money coming into the business, money coming out of the business, and what can I do as a leader f- to figure that out and mitigate those problems. Um, so that I guess that now is number two. So the people dealing with then dealing with cash flow number two, and then for me, I I, I look for the opportunity in something like this. And so is there an opportunity that you might not have had, but now because conditions have changed, what can you do? And sometimes that's looking at your own business and saying, these are some things that we can cut out. These are some things that we've offered and spent some money on, but it hasn't really gained traction. It's not something that we want to continue doing. So Mm -hmm. let's look at ourselves and see if we can cut things out or if we can recognize you know, Zoom is probably the perfect example of right, right timing, and and uh, yeah, yeah. and so they. <laughs> you talk about an opportunity. Look at Zoom and Amazon right now that are able to thrive during this time because people's habits have changed. So we've been looking at a lot of that too. Like, what do we need to do to be able to adapt to the now, and then what things might look at look like a year from from now. Yeah, I think uh, so. First of all, uh, th- uh, that thank you for that very thorough answer. I think that that covers a lot of really good ground. Um, you know, you mentioned kind of taking care of your staff. Uh, I've heard from a lot of other podcasts and things. You know, it's like, how are you? And then it's like, how are you really? Like that's the that's yes. the question that's being asked. And then your customers too, serving your customers. I still host a few. I don't do a lot of freelance web development work. I do. Enough to keep my hands, uh, you know, dirty while I make courses on how to do it. Um, but uh, I, I do still have several clients that I host, and I messaged all the ones that had bills coming due, and I said, "Hey, if you need a little extra time, like I can float you if you need it." Like especially like one of my clients is a dance studio. Uh, she has been closed for a few months. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what she's doing. Um, but I was like, you know, if this extra money is going to help you, then, um, you know, that's okay. Don't worry about it for now. Um, so definitely take care of your customers. You know, I think that in the same, in the same vein that you were saying, I've been trying to be generous with my time and help people, um, because people will remember that. I, I don't know if you know, Pam Angst, um, she's been on the show. She's an an SEO person. Uh, but she said that she did this exact thing in 08, 09. She helped people and was like generous. And and then they remembered that in the good times when they could hire her. Um, and I'm not saying do it because people will hire you when they have money, but people remember generosity. Um, so look for opportunities to help people. Look for opportunities for your business, like you're saying. I think those are all really great things. Yeah, that's we. That's something that we have tried to even. That's a core value of ours, by the way. Um, is is we help and encourage others, and ingraining that in your business is is huge. And it's not it, not because of the payoff, not because of the right. money, like you said. It's uh, it's you're doing it because people remember that, and you you kind of grow by by pulling everyone else up 
right? So yeah, you that's absolutely. how you that's how you lead and grow and and it's a great thing. I think it's going to be interesting because I think more people and more businesses and especially in the agency freelancer and agency space um I'm seeing so much of that which is awesome. And uh it's they're helping each other, which is cool, like other agencies and freelancers, but they're also sharing information that to with their clients and then sharing it with agencies so that they can share with their clients and uh that's a, a kind of a core part of who we are. And you're right. We have leaned us. One of the whole points of the happy hour, other than a chance for me yeah. to drink, bur- drink bourbon, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a good excuse for that too. But uh, yeah. it's also a, you know, it's a way just, let's just come together. And l- if you have a question, we'll pull some people together that might, we don't know all the answers, but we'll pull some people together that might be able to help and, um, and do that. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's, and that's interesting that that, I love that there's a proven way like that that worked in the last yeah. recession as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, as a quick side note, I don't uh, imbibe very often. I am usually holding a drink more than I'm actually drinking it. Uh, but I, my brother got me some, uh, some bourbon, well, whiskey from upstate New York that was uh, made in upstate New York. And I uh, made... I guess a John Daly. I used Arnold Palmer and poured some whiskey into it. Uh, Excellent. And it was fantastic. <laughs> it was great. A nice pairing with the cigar I smoked last night. So nice. Uh, was it was yeah. it Widow Jane? What was the uh, what was the bourbon? Do you know? I um the name didn't jump out at me, okay. but I okay. will link it in the show notes and I'll send <laughs> it to you. Of course, uh, for everybody listening, you can get the show notes over at How I Built It. Um, but yeah, it was really good. And he lives in, uh, in Glens Falls in upstate New York. So there's a, a big lake there. And I think a lot of brewing and distilling going on up there. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. it's just so popular right now. And I've seen they've, a lot of smaller distilleries have been, have been, and breweries have been hit pretty bad by this as well. And, uh, you know, I, we have customers and friends that just focus on building websites and handle marketing for, uh, the craft beer industry. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and so that's, you know, again, it's, it, I think one other interesting thing about this is we've always, if you look at all of our customers, the ones that, that tend to be really thriving before this, they are the, they are agencies that, ha, that focus on a particular niche, which is why we started that Facebook group, the niche agency owners group. Um, this has kind of rattled that a little bit, right? Because, yeah, if if you're focused on the wrong niche during this time, then you don't have the diversity in in client base in order to offset what you're losing, and and that's something you you had asked about earlier, and I probably went off on a tangent, but you know how how you you know I think something that's been really helpful for us is having a lot of low cost subscriptions across a lot mm-hmm. of different customers. Um, yeah. we don't, we don't necessarily have the small business, so it's not like, but we do have a lot, several hundred agencies that have subscriptions across many different industries. And I think that has helped. Whereas if we were focused on the vacation rental market, or we were focused on, um, you know, I've even seen it in some medical areas, um, that, that th- because of this alternative medicine has been, kind of um, devalued um, yeah. in Google search. 
Um, and so that's something that we've heard back from a couple of our clients that, okay, so we do some SEO stuff for these clients and it's a struggle right now because this is our niche and it's an alternative medicine type type industry. And now they're dropping in the rankings right and left because Google's trying to promote certain things in, um, in their search results. So. Yeah, that's really interesting, and it makes me think about. Um, and this is probably a worthwhile topic, especially because you see you see uh, agencies across a bunch of niches. But um, I've been thinking a lot about how businesses like that can pivot. Like, so you know, uh, Hertz is going out of business. Yes. Apparently, they were struggling before this anyway, which I suspect is the case for a lot of like J.C. Penney is going out of business. J.C. Penney. I was convinced had already gone out of business. Like uh, <laughs> you're like those stores are still around. That, that's what my mom's like. Go to J.C. Penney, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like they've been closed for years. <laughs> but um, you know what? What could some place like that do to to help ease the pain? Nobody's renting cars right now. Do you reach out to your top customers and say, hey, if you if you prepay for a year? of car rentals or sign up for a membership where you get X amount of car rentals a month. Will that stave that off? Do they already offer that? Um, I know a lot of people who have small shops where I'm like, maybe you should be doing like Zoom consults since people can't actually come into your spa or whatever. Um, and and all of that's to say that I've heard distilleries who have pivoted and started making hand sanitizer, one local yep. to my area. Um but what what do you think businesses can do, um, maybe in our field, small businesses, uh, to pivot their own products and make sure that they don't lose everything overnight, right? Like vacation rental people have. Um, or what can they do to help their clients recognize the pivot, you know, if that makes sense? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think the first thing is knowing your capabilities and say, like, it's easy if you say, instead of we serve the vacation rental market by doing so-and-so, so-and-so, if you kind of look at yourself and say, okay, we can build websites, we can sell widgets, whatever it is, right? It doesn't have to be you know agency focused. Um, this is what we do. Who else can we do that for, right? So that that's the easy thing is just looking and saying, for us, we you look across the board and you say, okay, well, we do site maintenance really well. We do um, page builds for people, um, for, for agencies right now, but we do page builds really well. Um, we do, um, content edits, logging into the admin panel and doing stuff that others can do, but they may not want to do not the best use of their time. So for us, it's okay. What else could we do now? We're not necessarily doing this, but we could say if there was another niche, like the, like agencies that we serve right now, we could say, you know what, all these e-commerce sites that are really thriving right now, Guess what they need? They need site maintenance. Mm-hmm. They need they need uh, content edits. They need they may need page builds or landing page builds for the campaigns that they're doing. And maybe it's not all e-commerce. Maybe it's a specific segment of e-commerce site. And maybe we could easily take what we have at GoWP and we could spin that up as something else and say this is because we're still leveraging the talent that we have. Um, so I think that's one thing is kind of just ma- knowing that list of things that you do really well. Forgetting the target audience that you're serving right now and look for something that that another target audience that might be able to benefit from what you offer. I would not just jump into that. I would certainly do the research to call, make sure there's a need for that, do something so that you throw up a landing page and start running ads to it just so you can test that 
and see if it's some, something that's viable. Yeah. But I, I, oh man, that's so, that's such a great idea. Um, and it's true, right? Cause now you're not, you're not focusing on the, the thing you're making. You're focusing on what you do, right? Or maybe yep. you're not focusing on the what you're focusing on the how, um, to, to bring it to a bigger picture. Um, and I think that's great because I think a lot of people get stuck in the, well, this is the thing I do. How am I going to be able to do that? Um, so I think that's really good advice. And then uh, I, I, I wanted to, to elaborate on what you said there about running ads, right? Because a lot of people are pulling back um, money and they're tightening uh, their purse strings or, or whatever. Um, maybe like a nicer way to say that. Um, yep. It has been for me personally. It has been a very expensive month for me because, like, I'm I've got new trademarks in the work for works for my course. Um, I just upgraded a couple of services to make sure um, the new course I'm rolling out is going to be good and that I could do it today. And and I'm focusing on the things like that. Um, how do you know what to keep spending money on and and what you can cut back on? And do you think that ads is something that um, should or should not be on the chopping block, right? I don't have a lot of experience with buying ads. I generally don't do that. Maybe I should. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? I always love a shotgun approach of of experiment as many times as, with as much as you can, right? Um, I don't believe in in spending money without tracking it and making sure you know if it's going to work. But I do believe my my general answer when someone approaches with an opportunity even on advertising or partnership or what is usually okay we'll try that like it it, it yeah. generally is as long as it's not a crazy expensive investment we 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 budget i've got a certain amount that we set aside for our advertising budget and okay if things are running fine and we're not like we'll we'll try it um, but then we'll very quickly we'll be quick to fire right we'll be we'll mm-hmm. we'll kill it very quickly if we look at it and say, okay, this isn't the right, look at the data, it's not making sense. So I think in times that are good and times that are bad, it's very important to have whatever your approach is. You could just say, you know what, we're just going to focus on this one thing and then we're going to try and go on to the next. I like to have several things going at one time, measure the impact, see what see what happens. And not everything is directly related to a conversion in the way of, oh, they came to our site and they bought something, right? Um, there right. are other ways you need, you need to track other goals and ways that things can pay off because maybe you're getting a ton of, like your, your Facebook group is really growing because of that, which will turn in in a longer sales cycle that'll turn into money on down the road. Um, so for us, it's try as many things as you can, but if something is working, right, because you know, because you have the data, I don't think it's a good idea to pull back right now. Like, I, I, I don't. In fact, I think if you're paying for ads, things are probably going to get cheaper. There's going to be less competition. Um, your competitors are, are probably just looking at the line item in the budget, and they're trying to save that money and maybe saving in the wrong places. So I, I think this is the time to double down on things that are working. If you need to cut spend, right? If you need to cut your expenses, then sure, you 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 have to look across everything and fit. But this isn't where I start. This is certainly not where I start if there is a conversion point of some way. And not only that, think about like with Facebook ads, we'll just take that. Think about the people right now that are all online, so many people all online all day long. So mm-hmm. the visibility of that is great. And when things turn and competition does come back in, you have established yourself as, okay, they've been here the whole time. Like, and so right. I, I think it's, 
I think it's really important to keep spending money on the things that are that are working and probably invest a little bit more now if you can afford to do that. Today's episode is brought to you by Smile and their product, Text Expander. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. You know I'm all about automation and Text Expander is a great way to get started with automation. It allows you to create your own snippets for repetitive text you tend to use everywhere. Add the text, create a snippet, and boom, save precious time and keystrokes. One of my favorite snippets is for my address. So instead of typing out my full address and risking typos, I simply type dollar sign A-D-D-R and Text Expander does the rest, filling in my full address for me. I also have snippets for my street, my city, and my zip code. But that's not all Text Expander does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is when I type PPT. That will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it to plain text. So I'm no longer fighting formatting when I copy from a Word document, a Google Doc, or a plain HTML page, like a website. I also use it for common links, email messages, which I can completely customize with fill-ins and drop-down menus, and even date calculations. I'm currently writing a book, and Text Expander has been instrumental with that. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. So pretty much anywhere you do computing. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or automation in general, now's the time. As a listener, you can get 20% off your first year. Just visit textexpander.com podcast and let them know how I built it sent you. That's textexpander.com podcast for 20% off your first year. And now back to the show. You're absolutely right. People are online a lot more right now. They're at home. They're maybe looking for tools there, but maybe they're not ready to spend. I think what you said about a longer sales cycle is really important. I try to tell my podcast advertisers that um, somebody needs to hear something like six times before they're, they're perhaps ready to purchase. So like buying a single episode spot, unless your offer is really compelling, it's uh, it's not going to do anything. And I usually turn uh, sponsors away if they only want to do one episode because I don't want them to waste their money. I right. want them to sponsor my show and be like, wow, that worked like gangbusters. Not, I just spent 400 bucks for nothing. Um, yeah. So I think that's really good. If something's working, it's, it's not a good idea to pull it back uh, and experiment with a bunch of stuff. I think that's really great. And, you know, obviously, like you said, don't just spend money all willy-nilly. Um, make it measured and see what works. And if it's not working, get rid of it immediately. But um, if you can afford it, it's worth spending the money. I I, uh, I just tweeted about this. Like I, I cheaped out on email email hosting. Yeah. Um, and I calculated that it probably cost me about $1,200 uh, in my own time based on my hourly rate when I could have spent 36 bucks a year, which is like 20 years or something like that. Um, so, you know, so uh, maybe don't cheap out on the things that you need and, and uh, cut yeah. the expenses that you don't actually need. The nice we, to have. Something very similar to that. Um, and, and sometimes it, it does 
pay off like looking and questioning the tools that you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we were using for our kind of chat bot and chat software on our site. We were spending you know five hundred dollars a month for something, and that that's a big line item for us, yeah. right? That's a that's yeah, a big line sure. item, and so we're like, okay, uh, do we need to, and it's we know it's important to our lead flow. We know that that's important and we know it helps our customers. That's the other thing is we have it installed on our client portal where, and they use the chat and it's very efficient and it works great. And so we didn't want to kill it. It's similar to what you were doing by replacing a tool. Um, But, but just in, in times that are good, I never cared about that line item. It's like, we just spend the money. Right. But now with this, and this is where I get into the opportunity because, you know, it's, it's, um, there are some, some things that y- are out there that may really help your business that you don't even know about. But because of this situation, you start questioning things and want to, to examine how you're doing it and see if there's a better way. And so we did that and we were able to go from $500 a month to $100 a month and wow. really have more flexibility and a better tool that we would not have even found had I not tried to do that. So I, I think some good can certainly come, but, but notice we did not say we're spending $500 a month on chatbot. We don't need a chatbot, right? We did, that wasn't what it was. It was, how do we replace that? Let's look. And after examining that, I might've come back and said, $500 on this is the way to go because that's the best that's out there and it's important to us. But we were able to, and maybe it's rare, but we were able to find something that really does the job better for a fraction of the price. Yeah. I mean, I think it really depends on, on the tool. Um, yeah. You know, I, th- I think another example of this is uh, we're probably friends with both of these companies, um, but I was using one form uh, builder in WordPress and it's a great product. That's why I switched to it. But I ended up going back to a previous form builder in WordPress because um, m- my needs and the cost analysis showed that it was a better deal for me to go back to what I was originally using. Um, yep. So I, I think that's really important. Um, we are, well, we're a little over time. That's fine. Uh, I do want to ask you though, you have a chat bot. I have always gone back and forth on this. Should I have it? It's just me. Do you have somebody uh, ready to respond to the chat bot at any time? Does it like ping Slack for you? And then like the first person to answer or like, is there a dedicated person? Or is it just like, we'll get back to you sometime? I will pull the curtain back on that one, right? So I, I got to yeah. be careful about that in case we have uh, customers listening. No, uh, we uh, <laughs> <laughs> we um, we specifically do not answer in real time. Um, okay. So it, it because I do not like our service is twenty four seven. We have WordPress happiness engineers that can do things around the clock. But you also, it's not like someone submits that and then we're immediately jumping on that in the next five minutes and responding right. responding back to them in 10 minutes saying it's done. Um, right. So we there's a little bit of leeway with our turnaround time so that we can prioritize tasks. But we do have staff fully around the clock. We do not on what we call the growth team, the sales and marketing side. That tends to be a nine to five Eastern standard time. So I, we can't set the expectation. We have customers all over the world, right? So Australia, UK, right. uh, we've got customers everywhere. So we can't really set the expectation that we have that 24-7. Um, right. So we use it a little more passively. Yes, it comes into Slack. Yes, uh, we do get notified. I get a no- notification on my phone <coughs> at two in the morning if that's when it happens. Um, so 
yes, I do, but I don't jump on it at two in the morning. And Kaylin and Emily from our growth team, they don't jump on that at two in the morning. It's basically when they get back in and then we kind of treat it the same way you would email. Um, gotcha. but, but it's, it, it works really well. And then with a chat bot, you can kind of lead people down a certain path, um, mm-hmm. which, it, which is good, but we do use it passively as opposed to someone standing ready to engage with that immediately. Um, that can be, we made a decision when we started GoWP that it's that it, it, I had a lot of help desk experience. And so I, mm-hmm. there's a, you don't want the pager, right? Do you remember? I don't right. know. You're, yeah. you're younger than me. Do you remember uh, that? I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I get that reference. Right. I understood that so, reference. <laughs> so, pager. What do you mean? Yeah. So, uh, but you walk around with the pager and then boom, 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 yeah. emergency. And you need to jump on that. Right. Um, so we did not, we're not an emergency support provider. So it's not, it's that what we do is, is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is always going to be more passive. And what that allows us to do is whether it's sales, marketing, or the fulfillment of our services, we're able to do the prioritization of gotcha. that and spend time on. So I, I, that's what I would say. It's a long answer to that, like, like all the answers I've given. But I, I, would, I would say that, that if you're looking at doing that, don't change your workflow and the way right. you do things for something like a chat uh, uh, platform. Gotcha. No, that's that's super helpful, right? Because like I've implemented one, and like I was like, it was a pre-sales chat bot that I had on the courses, and like somebody was asking me, and I'm like texting them while I'm driving to the, the Yankees Phillies game, and <laughs> not while I'm driving. Let me be clear. Be clear. Yes. Um, I can't. I can barely text when I'm not driving. So like, uh, so, and then I'm like. Is this worth it? Like to take away time at a baseball game for a twenty nine dollar course? It's probably not. Um, and so I just nixed the chat bot, but I I still think that's really helpful. So that was that was great. Um, as we come up on time here, uh, what? So I mean, as the show has evolved here in twenty twenty, I ask my guests for tips and trade secrets, and they're like generally too similar. Um, so I will say. Uh, in this pandemic recession economy, do you have any trade secrets for the listeners on how they can get through it? You've provided us with lots of great information, but if you could give them like the one takeaway, what would that be? I, I think it's it's probably a, a little more touchy feely than than tangible. Mm-hmm. Go find this tool, but it it yeah. really is. I I don't something maybe I, I've just had we've had a lot of bad things happen over the years, but I am. When you're talking about like uncertainty and with the pandemic, you're talking about how do you deal with adversity? How do you how do you uh, solidify or build your business up so that when bad things happen or adversity comes, that um, that you're not impacted much? I one thing I have just I I don't want to say I live for these moments because it's not you don't want this to happen. What's happening? It's it's right. it's very unfortunate. It's very it does have an impact on us and our customers, but I. I do embrace it. And, and I, I, what I have found, we, we've seen adversity in so many different ways. Loss of a massive customer over the years, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where your cash flow is impacted like that. Um, some of your star staff no longer being with you for whatever reason, um, maybe resigning so your team changes. Um, I've seen, we've relied and built an entire segment of our business around a tool and then that tool went away because we didn't control it and it was a third-party tool. Um, so to me, this is another 
challenge or adverse like uh, um, uh, season of adversity that we can look at and say, because every time when I look at those other challenges, we came out stronger. It, it prompted me to do something in the business that made our business stronger. And I don't know, it's different for each thing, but just having that framework and that idea that, okay, let's embrace this and learn about ourselves and figure out what we can do to get out, to be stronger on the other side of this. That's what I would say. So don't, um, don't sit around thinking, woe is me and things are, are in ruin. Um, do what you have to do um, to make sure that, that your business is solvent, that your people are taken care of, whether they're team and customers, and look for the hidden opportunities that will make your business stronger on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. That is great. Uh, I think about, like, it's easy to be a fan of a sports team. I really miss baseball. Uh, when, they're, when it's a good team, uh, but if you stick by them when they're terrible, um, you know, that's really how I know I'm a New York Giants fan. Um, <laughs> um, but you, you, need the, the, you need the rebuilding. You've got to have the yeah, rebuilding right. to have the championships. Yeah, yeah exactly. If, if, if things are good, then you're not really challenged. Then you're, you've, you're just, I feel like you're just kind of lucky, right? It's, it almost makes me think about, um, you know, I have a three-year-old and I have another one on the way as we record this. And Congrats, I, by the way. Thank you very much. Very <laughs> excited. It's a boy. So we have one of each. Yeah. Now, we'll have one of right. each. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I struggle between like coddling my daughter and trying to shield her from things that I know will probably hurt her um, or just like letting her go out and explore uh, so that she can experience things and know for herself. And I know it's not quite the same, but, um, you know, if you, sh- if you shelter, if you shelter your kid there, uh, or yourself, uh, I feel like they, or you are going to be worse off for it. I so. couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, that was what a nice note to end that on. Um, <laughs> Brad, thanks so much for your time. I always love talking to you. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, Twitter at mbradmorrison. Uh, I'm on Facebook. We have the Facebook Niche Agency Owners Group also. So you can just go WP Niche Agency Owners Group. Awesome. I will link all of that and lots of other stuff we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it. Brad, thanks so much for joining me this week. Joe, thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed the discussion. Thanks so much to Brad for joining us this week. There was a lot of stuff in this episode to unpack. All of it will be at the show notes uh, or on the show notes in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 172. Now, I really liked a lot about what he said about, you know, checking in with your staff and your customers being a bit human Right now, I think that's probably the best thing any of us can do. Uh, But then managing your cash flow. He didn't say stop spending money. He said plug some of the leaks. And if there's something where you can save money or there's something that you definitely don't need to pay for uh, because it's not really helping your business and it's it's just a nice to have, then uh, then do something about that. Um, And then with, with the pivot, I think the pivot is really important if you are 
a web developer, if you're somebody who doesn't need to pivot, but you serve as clients, definitely give your clients or your customers some ideas for what they can do because it's it's hard out there right now. And, and figuring out uh, how to pivot, I, I heard an interesting um, analogy on a different podcast where they said, you know, it's hard to to read the label from inside the bottle. So maybe just a different perspective and saying, this is what we do. Who else can we do that for? I think that's really, really great. Uh, as for me, I'm going to check out chatbots and see if they, if I can get them to help my own business. But anyway, thanks. Thanks a lot to Brad. That was, that was long and rambling, a long and rambling recap, but I thought there was a lot of good information in there. Thanks as well to our sponsors for this week. They are Circle CI and Text Expander. Without their support, the show wouldn't happen. So check them out. They'll be linked over at the show notes as well. Howibuilt.it slash 172. If you liked this episode, please give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps people discover the show. Now, one last thing, a little bit of housekeeping, is this is technically the last episode of season eight. However, thanks to the generosity of the previously mentioned sponsors, uh, Circle CI and Text Expander, I'm going to be able to continue throughout the rest of June doing a few bonus episodes and things like that. So uh, if you want to write in, let me know what you're thinking about. If you'd like my perspective on anything, I'm happy to do an episode about that. But we get a couple of bonus episodes uh, this year in between seasons eight and nine. Season nine is going to focus very much on creating great content to build your audience online, which I think is an important uh, lesson that we've heard time and time again this season, which is why I selected it for the theme of season nine. Uh, Okay, so I think that's everything. Man, I covered a lot there. It's all going to be summed up at the show notes, on the show notes, in the show notes, over at howibuilt.it slash 172. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.